Hi there, so Colin St. Clement here, aka the Online Print Coach, and today I am here for episode two of the Print Reviews, and today I am joined by Gareth Robertson of Print Pit. Gareth, thanks for joining me today, how are you? I'm very well, thanks mate. All the better for seeing your delightful smiley face. Thankfully, no one else needs to see that because this is purely recorded for audio purposes. <laughs> um, but uh, listen, thanks for joining me, I've been looking forward to this one. I think we're going to have a, a nice, fun, enjoyable conversation and hopefully unleash some nice golden nuggets in there for the audience as well. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, Gareth. Obviously, you know, your business is print pit, can I, but give me a little bit of background to yourself and, and the business. Oh, yeah, no, th- thanks for having me on, Colin. Really um, pleased to, to come on and uh, and be part of the pod. Um, so yeah, t- to for people who don't really know me, uh, and, and there's probably quite a few out there that don't, my my business is, uh, is print pit. That's one part of my business. That, that I'm working very closely with Colin on uh, developing. But um, I'm a graphic designer. That's basically what I've done since university. And I finished university in oh, 2005. So I've been doing design for a long time now, working in some agencies in the Midlands uh, before setting up my own business. The, the limited company is Design Pit Limited. That's been trading since 2012. So we are just over 10 years old now. And um, the specialism for Design Pit has always been in brand and design for print. So I, I've done a hell of a lot of design for print over the, the years, and I've got built up like a good understanding of how artwork should work and, and the importance of getting it right in, in print. When I've designed brochures and booklets and banners for various clients over the years, the question always comes, can you get it printed for me as well? Because a lot of the time, the customer just wants to deal with one one point of contact for this Absolutely. task. And I spent a lot of time over the years brokering prints and just wasting time with the admin behind all of that. And that, and that sort of led me to, in 2020, um, so I've been doing it for a while at this point, in 2020, I became aware of a software platform called VB Media, which I know okay. you do a lot of work with the guys mm-hmm. Uh, know Gav really well so uh, yeah I spoke to the the guys down there and uh, got on really well with Gav and we basically established Print Pit which is a fully e-commerce platform for all print business print needs really uh, small format large format and recently introduced clothing as well so um, I like to talk about Print Pit as a one-stop shop really for print promo and clothing and uh yeah, using my skills as a designer with a specialism in print to mm-hmm. make that whole print buying process as smooth as possible for various customers. Originally, that platform, the Print Pit platform, was set up really as a as a reordering sort of system for existing design clients. But uh-huh. some really good feedback from some of the customers saying you need to make this like a commercial entity because this is mm-hmm. really good. Which is a bit of a tip of the hat to Gavin the team because they do. Mm-hmm. Set up a really good product there, which is a you know a website in a box for printers. Yeah, I'm uh, sure they'll be pleased pleased to hear that feedback, uh, yeah, and I'm yeah, sure we're yeah. going to touch on on, on the, the the aspects of the of of the business as as the conversation goes on. One one thing, can I, and I I want as I've made quite clear in the in the last episode as well, I want to have like kind of real conversations with with people in the industry, and uh, one of the things that can I think it helps if you get to know someone a little bit better as well. So question I'm going to ask you is tell us something about yourself that, that nobody else is likely to know. Can I, let, let, let's get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> well, um, 
did prime me on this and it stopped me in my tracks earlier because I thought, <laughs> well, I, 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 and I genuinely mean this, I am pretty much an open book. You know, I, I, I don't believe that anything should be off the table really when you're talking to uh, friends, family, uh, business connections, because a lot of my friends now are like friends that I've gained through work, be that mm-hmm. suppliers, collaborators, clients as well. You know, I have, I have really good nights out with some you know, good pals who have been customers and still are customers, um, you know, after after many years. Um, so I am a bit of an open book. So it did throw me this. But I have thought of something that not many people know. I'm intrigued. Um, <laughs> so when I was born, my parents were concerned about my health as a newborn baby. Because mm-hmm. uh, basically, whenever I ate anything, I would projectile vomit it up within 20 minutes or so. Okay. And my dad has explained it a few times where a newborn baby of however many sort of like days old would be lying on the floor in the middle of the living room after eating and hit the ceiling with vomit. And that's how like poorly I was as a newborn baby. Mm-hmm. And um, the doctors that they spoke to and spoke to my mum in particular put it down to hysterical mother syndrome because my mum had had, I think it was three miscarriages before I was born. Um, and um, it was a bit of a sketchy time because obviously Mm -hmm. I'm not taking in any food, any nourishment and and so on and so forth. And my mum and dad like persevered and persevered. And it turns out I had a condition called pyloric stenosis, which is a blockage in the food tube. So basically I had not eaten and I was six weeks old. And this condition normally doesn't rear its head for, you know, a number of weeks beyond six weeks, but it was really affecting me early on. And I was whipped into hospital and to be operated on as a six week old newborn. And I've still got a huge scar across my stomach wow. uh, where that operation was, was carried out. And um, yeah. And, and that ultimately it um, saved my life because I wouldn't have made it much longer. And uh, they said when it was discharged, they said to my mum and dad, you will find he eats a lot to make up for lost time. And here I can say 40 years on, I'm still yeah. going. I, I, I sometimes wonder if I've maybe got the same condition as well, because uh, we're both both similar sizes, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't starve anyway, that's for sure. So, um, No, th- thanks for sharing. That's an interesting story and, and, and obviously nice to hear that it doesn't, doesn't, hasn't caused you any problens in, in later life as well. No, no, I'm still eating. Still eating. <laughs> so, what do you believe are the kind of major advantages? Obviously, kind of you've 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 set up that that online um, e-commerce platform now um, for print put. Kind of, what are the major advantages kind of to you in running an online print business? Then, I think f- for me, as as um, as a designer first and foremost, mm-hmm. it allows me to offer more than most of the graphic designers um, yeah. out there. Only because of like my knowledge of, of the the industry, and I'm mm-hmm. not classifying myself as an expert by any stretch of the imagination here, but I certainly know a lot more than the average bear on the street. Mm-hmm. And what it does allow me to do is upsell a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. It allows me to have a lot more regular contact with clients, and it allows me to be much more of a resource and a reliable member of a supply chain to a lot of the clients. So it's a much more holistic approach to design 
mm-hmm. you know, and it, it gives it gives me more strings to my boat. So, and when you say upsell, kind of, um, what are you referring to there? Kind of, what what kind of methods do you use to upsell? Well, there's not many graphic designers can <clears> turn around and say, "Oh, design this thirty-six page brochure." Do you like me to get it produced for you as well yeah. and be able to offer that very seamlessly under one roof? Is quite powerful, I think, mm-hmm. and it, it just keeps your front and centre really. There's more. There's much more of an offering there, I think, as as a designer, and and I've sort of split it out. So I've got Design Pit, the limited company, and Print Pit, which is mm-hmm. effectively a trading name. But I do treat them as separate entities, really, mm-hmm. when I'm marketing at least, because it is a slightly different sell. And it, what it also does as well, so it allows me to upsell a lot more and mm-hmm. see the job through from. The initial concept right the way through to getting it produced and finished yeah and i guess that's where a lot of designers kind of struggle because they design the job they send it off and then they never see the they never see the, the finished product as well so you've got the the benefit of ensuring that your designs have kind of are carried out how you how you envisage them as well 100 percent, yeah and the other way as well is that some people might already have in, incumbent designers that they mm-hmm. are comfortable working with and that's great you know i think design is is something that you need to be able to trust with someone because you have to welcome them into your business and get them under the bonnet of your brand and, and how your business works. But I've worked with people who just want to work with me on the print side of things. So mm-hmm. inheriting artwork from other designers and managing that print process for them. Yeah. And I guess it's a double upsell as such as well because it's an upsell from design to print, but then having the e-commerce platform obviously acts as a catalogue. So you're able to show them the other products that you can that you can offer that they perhaps hadn't even thought about as well. Yeah, secondary level of upsell. 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, we were just talking offline just now. I've got um, a large job on quote at the minute for some uh, fabric exhibition stands. But the upsell there is, well, we've got pedestals as well that offer some storage. And we've got, you know, some of the uh, stacking totems, which would look really good as well. And we can mm-hmm. do flits and we can do, you know, it's not just a one-stop thing, you know. We can literally... You know, upsell the whole package, really. Um, yeah. So yeah, there is there is um, like operating as as Printpit does, it, it brings a lot of you know a lot of benefits to the end customer. Good. So tell me, obviously you've um, you've been as you, as you as you noted earlier, kind of you've been in business for over ten years now. What have been some of the kind of challenges that you've faced in the industry? And I, and the second question to that is is how how have you overcome them? I suppose with the print side of things because that's obviously what we're here to talk about more specifically. The biggest challenge was to set print pit up in February 2020. Mm-hmm. A month later, we obviously went into lockdown for, for that thing called COVID, which I'm pretty sure everyone will remember. <laughs> um, and not in the warm, fuzzy ways, you know, that some memories bring. Um, but yeah, so it was a challenge there, really, sort of actually being able to trade, actually being able to do anything. And um, I think one of the, the big challenges since then you know we obviously persevered and came through that period of time one of the biggest challenge really is is making people understand that as as a reseller of print as we are we are a print company that doesn't print anything uh, ourselves <laughs> which yeah. some people think well how does that work then and i think there is an education piece here around understanding the benefits and value that artwork, good artwork brings. brings. Mm-hmm. And I don't know any stats on this, but I would hazard a guess it's probably in the high 80s, early 90% that most problems with print come from bad artwork. 
and I'd love to I'd love to sort of like work out some stats around that and I'm sure there'd be a way of working it out but we That's a question for ChatGPT later I think. Yeah 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 I, 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 you know I I've seen it many many times over the years with like throughout my career a, a, a bad quality print job is often down to bad quality mm-hmm. artwork and because we are a design company as well as a print company we put a lot of emphasis on getting that artwork right. So if we inherit artwork from a designer, mm-hmm. you know, we will fire it back and say, no, it needs to be better. It needs to be done this way or this way or that. And we can help educate people in that respect. Or we can turn around and say, okay, this isn't quite right, but we can correct it. And we can sort of nip out any problems in the bud, really. So there is a challenge there in making people understand that just because we don't physically print anything here mm-hmm. doesn't mean we can't deliver a top quality service because we've yeah. got a supply chain that is mm-hmm. absolutely top drawn and very, very pleased and proud to be working with some of the suppliers that we've got on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're very lucky these days. I mean, kind of back in the day when I when I when I first had my print business, like the trade suppliers that are available nowadays kind of weren't so kind of weren't so much around. So kind of didn't have the same options and um and I wonder how many people would would do it differently now if they didn't if they, if they had that kind of supply option available would they would they invest quite as heavily perhaps to do try and do everything in house or would you try and find that niche and, and focus on outsourcing the rest so it is it's, it's something I'm hearing in fact it was it was touched on in, in in episode one as well kind of you don't always have to do everything in house as well there are there are good options available so so tell me um what does what does print do, Print bit, you know, what strategies do you use to kind of stand out from your competitors? What makes what makes you guys different? Really, not not being ashamed that we don't print anything ourselves. I think you know mm-hmm. we don't we don't sort of parade around sort of telling everyone that, but mm-hmm. we don't shy away from it either. And um, I, I think I think the sort of focus on the design and the brand and the and the sort of artworking element at the very start of a print job is something that that we do bring that's a bit different. Because a lot of the time as well, some lot of, some smaller printers out there as well, they just want to print. They just yeah. want to print. They'll take the mm-hmm. artwork and they'll print it. As they, you know, they might offer a proof, but they won't make suggestions necessarily on how this could be improved. And mm, this might need to go on a thicker stock or this design isn't very clear. And oh, mm-hmm. you've not got a phone number on there, but you're asking people to call you. You know, it's little things like that that they often get overlooked and sometimes it's the most obvious things that, that get passed through and you just mm-hmm. think, oh, God, how did that escape the net? Our focus on that, I think, does set us apart, really. But we also sell a lot through the website. Uh, and yeah. I think that, that might not necessarily set us apart because I think you got some stats on like what print is put through online now. Yeah, it's, it's definitely increasing. Um, I don't have specific, I think the last numbers I've seen were back in, in 2021, but I would expect it's probably somewhere between twenty three, twenty five percent of all printers now purchased online, and and I would imagine by twenty twenty five that's going to be either near thirty percent. So it's definitely it's increasing, and it's not it's not going down for sure. So it definitely makes a, a big difference. Something you touched on earlier, actually, just about being an open book, and I, I'd imagine that that's a part of your strategy as well, because obviously, kind of for those that do follow you on LinkedIn, and and, and hopefully people will. We'll kind of tune into this and go and check your your profile out and give you a little follow on, on LinkedIn and, and things as well. But you are you are an open book kind of and show that kind of vulnerable side of kind of being a business owner, which I think is really important. Kind of, do you think that plays a part in 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 acquiring new business and kind of using yourself as 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 part of that kind of marketing 
in a toolkit? I think so, yeah. I think being being real and just, you know, I am a normal bloke, just like working hard. That, that You know, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, you know, being real, being honest. I think... I think for me, one of the one of the biggest things in business is to just be honest. Because, mm-hmm. like, if you can't be honest, then you're not trustworthy. And if people yeah. don't trust you, then you're not going to win work. And mm-hmm. you know, being vulnerable, I think, you know, I think we we could all do a bit more of that. And mm-hmm. I, I think you know, get away from the sort of like insta perfect life that we see on social media now, and just sort of you know be a bit more real be an open book and be prepared to have a chat. You know, I am a graphic designer and I have a small business that, you know, I'm working hard to grow. That's it. That's what you see is what you get. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, th- I think, I think more people could, could learn from that as well, to be honest with you. You know, it's, it's definitely a, an approach I try and adopt and, you know, you're not going to go on well with everyone in life. You know, you can't, you can't please everybody, but can I, if you, if you show your true self and, and, and be yourself, then um, then you'll attract the right type of people that are a good fit for, for you and for your business as well. I touched on this a little bit, but I'd love it if you could expand a bit more. But um, can you tell me about a time where you've had to make a strategic pivot in the business and how did that affect kind of, the success of, of you and the business to date? I think the whole establishing print pit really was mm-hmm. quite a large sort of pivot in the business really, because I recognize I was spending far too many man hours on admin, gathering quotes in, working out margins, quoting out to clients and, you know, spending far too much time doing all of that legwork when mm-hmm. it could all be automated to a much like greater level. Mm-hmm. Um, I could start to, condense my supply chain down to you know trusted names within the industry and start to offer a much more streamlined automated sort of offering on online which is where mm-hmm. everybody is you know it, the move to take this online was was very much strategic because it offered like being online offers offers so much really you know you can still do the face-to-face stuff i'm an avid networker so i'll go out and speak to people on a weekly basis at various networking groups um locally and and a bit Mm -hmm. further afield i do a lot of expos as well where we go and set up and take some samples and you know start chatting to people put me in a room full of people colin you know me i'll I'll talk to anyone but you know the the world of online i just offer so many opportunities and it's you're just mad not to be in that space so it was it was an opportune moment when VB Media sent through their stuff in the post to me that mm-hmm. they had um, left over from a show at the NEC, and one of them landed on my desk by chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thus began the start of a beautiful friendship, <laughs> um, and, and you know, so it kind of accelerated the strategic move. It was always going to be on the cards. I'd actually spoken yeah. to web developers and a couple of printers about mm-hmm. setting up an online sort of like system to work with, yeah. but. It just never got any further than that, really. Did you have any reservations in the in the early early instances? In what what context? Sorry, mate. Was was there anything kind of um, stopping you from doing it sooner, or kind of was there any kind of fears you had about going online? Like, for example, like I, I speak with a lot of people who who like the idea of going online, but perhaps uh, are a little bit put off by kind of the thought of displaying the prices because there might be some historic 
kind of legacy clients who are on one price and someone else is on another kind of did you have any kind of reservations like that or was it just was it just a case of kind of getting the right time finding the right time to kind of put it in action no not really i, th- I think it, i think everyone's afraid of speaking about money and it, it winds me up really because i've been sort of preached to over the years that, oh no you don't put your prices on your website not as a graphic designer and it's i do now and i'm selling more than i've sold mm-hmm. in a lot of time um because like when the crunch comes like price is a factor <laughs> at the end of the day if someone can't afford it they can't afford it so mm-hmm. just how much you're going to charge for it and if mm-hmm. it's too much for them they can go and find someone else to do it or you know who can do it in their budget and mm-hmm. you know, I, I just think like there's a lot of emphasis put on price and i don't think i think people generally not just in print and design people just need to get more comfortable talking about it because mm-hmm. it's going you're going to have to discuss it at some point in a, in a business transaction yeah, it's 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 as earlier in the pro- the sales process you can have that conversation. Kind of the, the easier it's going to be to to kind of have that conversion um, and and kind of break break down that kind of comfort zone as well, isn't it? So one of the things I've noticed you've you've kind of been promoting recently. Um, I think it was on LinkedIn. I seen it was um, you kind of launching a like a sustainability range. Is that something you get asked for kind of frequently? Uh, I do. I do get asked on occasion for. Mm-hmm. More- friendly products now mm-hmm. it is with print it's probably one of the most sustainable industries around because mm-hmm. i don't know the stats off the top of my head specifically but for every tree they cut down to make paper they plant 10 more or something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. but it is a very sustainable industry and at the end of the day paper is very recyclable no matter how much ink is on on it it is a very recyclable substrate so People need to sort of like remember that. But, but uh, have introduced onto our site a um, recycled range. So basically, mm-hmm. all of the raw material, all of the stock has come from recycled like paper. But I, I think there are the, there's an education piece to be done around the whole eco friendly print um, element because I think what people forget is like carbon footprint is what we should actually be looking at rather than what can be recycled and what comes from recycled stock because sometimes materials might be recycled but their journey is taking them up like quarter of the way around the world to get mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the factory you know in the uk that then turns it into something else you know the carbon footprint is is something that needs to be addressed more than like what's recyclable in mm-hmm. my opinion I think people yeah. need to open their eyes more to that. And is that just a, an educational kind of process? Like, a, I see a lot of, there's definitely been a, a, an upsurge in, in conversation within the trades around sustainability, but are we doing a good enough job of, of actually kind of passing that on to, to, to our customers, to the end users? I think it's something that's maybe bigger than the industry. I think mm-hmm. it's something that, that we all need to be more aware of. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm by no stretch an eco warrior. Um, I try and do as much as I can to limit the impact that my life has uh, <laughs> on, um, on on the, on the environment, you know, in and around. But I think, um, yeah, I think it's important to just limit what we do. Like simply waking up in the morning and boiling a kettle, you know, gives us an impact on the carbon footprint that we mm-hmm. make on mm-hmm. the world. So. I think yeah. it's important to sort that out. <laughs> you start to sound like my wife. I get a row every morning. If I uh, the one one of my morning morning routines is uh, 
to make my wife a coffee as soon as I get up in the morning, even though I'm bringing it through to her. And while she's still in bed, I still get nagged for um, for boiling too much water, if I boil too much for what's needed for the cup. So, uh, yeah, but definitely we could all be doing more. And, and I think everyone, we're all a bit more kind of self-aware now, kind of recycling, certainly in the household's got a lot a lot better. Kinda, I know as, as a household, we kind of, we, we try to, to go to more sustainable shops and buy things without packaging and things like that. But um but I think as as an industry, we could definitely all be doing more to to educate um the customers because price point is an issue. It's 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 always really kinda of a little bit more expensive to kinda of, to purchase more sustainable products, which puts a lot of people off. But actually there's there's a lot more benefits which they could be selling on to to their customers as well. So um, it's definitely more more chat needs to be had around that. I think you hit something on the head there, though. You said you know sometimes the more eco friendly materials might be a bit more expensive, and then as soon as it's going to cost a bit more, some customers that I've spoken to, it's like become less important <laughs> to be eco friendly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like you know, and it comes back to the fact that cost is important. We need mm-hmm. to be you know comfortable talking about what things cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and because that does have an effect on like how eco friendly we can be, mm-hmm. uh, and but you know any any move in the direction to make print more sustainable, more eco friendly, and limit carbon footprint is a good thing in my eyes. And that's why we introduced the range. Basically, we don't get loads of inquiries for it, but we can produce it and we can sell it now. So mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's why it's there, so people have the option. So. Ten year, over ten years in business. What have um? What's been the biggest lessons? What's been the biggest lessons that, that Gareth has has learned so far? I'm yeah. sure there's many more to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, like the the big thing, really, I suppose, is you you only know what you know, mm-hmm. uh, and something will come along and change things that you are comfortable with and used mm-hmm. to. Um. And you need to be prepared for that because mm-hmm. it's important um, that you don't sort of rest on your laurels. I think um, a, bit, a, a big one is like get yourself a coach. Because, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you that ten quid later on. So, <laughs> and I'm not saying this just to blow smoke <laughs> up your your back end, mate. But it is like it's been like it's coincided like like working with you on a on a monthly basis has coincided with a real upsurge in like what we're doing on on the print side of things, and there's no coincidence there. So I think one thing for I'll, me, I'll take that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> definitely get yourself a coach um, to bring you some accountability, some support, some advice, some guidance, a gentle nudge, or a violent kick. In some cases, in the right. That's direction. not happened very often, no. Just <laughs> <laughs> once or no, twice. It is good. It is good to have that sort of <clears throat> sounding board. It's important, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, like, don't be afraid to innovate, but innovate organically and sensibly, because what you don't want to do is like come up with a great idea that's so far removed and disassociated with what you actually do and what you're mm-hmm. good at. Mm-hmm. It takes your focus off your main. In my business, I think that's that's one thing that I've I've not done myself. I've I've always brought things back to the core. Everything that I've done with my business over the last 10, 11 years has always mm-hmm. been the core of it. Has always been good quality design, good quality branding, good quality messaging, and basically helping 
bold, brave businesses get seen, heard and remembered. That That's the core of everything that I do. And you've probably seen my stuff online that goes out. Bold, brave businesses that are brilliant, that want to be seen, heard, remembered. Those mm-hmm. words come in a variety of different orders, but that's the core of everything. I have seen like IT companies become social media uh, businesses and although it's an online thing, they are so far different. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't work and it just takes focus off like what you're good at. Yeah. Um, so innovate sensibly and innovate organically, but don't mm-hmm. be afraid to push the boundaries, but you know, be true to your roots. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest one for me is talk to those people closest to you. So for a, lot, for a long time, I didn't talk to my wife about work mm-hmm. uh, for various reasons that we had stuff going on with my wife's job. She was at re- risk of redundancy. My business was being affected by Brexit all at the same time. We just got a little, our little girl was about a year old at the time and we had mm-hmm. a lot going on and a lot going wrong. And um, I, I didn't talk to my wife about the pressure I was under in work. Yeah. Uh, and that was the worst thing I could have done. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Know, rely on those people closest to you, be it spouses, brothers, sisters, parents, yeah. friends. Yeah. That is your network, your core network. Mm-hmm. It's important that you've got that support network and kind of different conversations. I, I quite often can obviously, in the, talking from the coaching perspective, kinda, and it, it was something I wish I had had kind of back in the day because there are certain conversations that you can't have with those ones closest to you because they perhaps don't come from the from the same back same background. For example, my my, my wife's a vet, so we'll both get very different kind of perspectives on how a business should be run and things like this. And I'm sure, obviously, kind of your wife and and, and her and, and career kind of has got a very different perspective on how businesses should be run as well. So, kind of, it's important. I think you've got someone who understands kind of, and hopefully, you have someone within your network who you can have those conversations with quite often why a lot of people do do come to myself but that aside having the back back up and support kind of like I know in my, in my relationship at home kind of my wife's been super um, supportive over the years kind of not always agreed with decisions that have been made but has always had my back and kind of um, kind of I'll be forever kind of grateful for that and try and do the same in return but it's um you've got to be honest if you bottle these things up if you if you don't fear these things then um it, it, it does. It affects it affects relationships because you're you're keeping things kind of for the very best reasons. A lot of the time, kind of you don't want to burden them. You don't want to kind of kind of bother them with all the the day to day stuff. But you've got to have that. You've got to have that sounding board, haven't you? Hundred percent. And one of the things that my wife said to me when we were sort of going through a a real tough patch in our respective careers and jobs and businesses and what have you, so. Was um, she said, the only time I see you smile is when you're with Emily, my daughter. <laughs> um, and I thought, that's powerful. That, like, yeah. I really am actually very miserable here. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't realized it until she said that. And I was under a lot of pressure, but so was she. And we said a lot going on and a lot going wrong. And yeah, you know, real crappy mix. So, mm-hmm. and, and that was the thing that made me realize I needed to make some changes. And, um, you know, some tough decisions were made after a very long, long conversation and mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily about the nitty-gritty of the business because it didn't need to be that sort of granular but yeah. it was about like how how 
it was affecting our lives. And as business mm-hmm. owners, it's a very isolating place at times. And you've really got to sort of mitigate the the risk of finding yourself completely on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, your core people that you, we've all got around us, or most yeah. people have got around mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. without family or friends, you know, they're the people you need to rely on. So Absolutely. So how do you maintain a kind of a healthy work-life balance now? To, to make you less grumpy when you go home at night, Gareth. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I, I've always been quite strict with working at weekends. I don't work at weekends unless I absolutely have a specific need to do so. And that doesn't come along very often. So mm-hmm. I work from a home office. So it is a challenge, especially in school holidays, because my wife's a school teacher and my little girl's six. So there are no boundaries. We've already had a visit from Emily this morning, haven't we? Yes, uh, we have. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Bless her. And uh, so it is difficult to sort of get that sort of like work-life sort of split yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate that my office is at the bottom of the garden in a garage away from the house. So as soon as that door is closed and locked, that's it then. And yeah. I've always been quite good at maintaining that sort of like d- divide from, from work and home. And uh, yeah, like, I can't work weekends because my wife teaches, uh, like she's got fixtures at the weekend. So my mm-hmm. daughter and I have a, a, a day together and then we have our family day on a Sunday. So it's just about maintaining, you know, you're never going to get time back and you know my daughter's only going to be six once so mm-hmm. you know it's important you don't miss those times yeah 100 percent, and like focusing on what's important so no definitely well well said so so tell me how well two two questions to kind of round, round us off today kind of how is um how is life at print pit just now and and what have you got planned uh for the for the future yeah well Life at Primpit's pretty good at the minute. We were talking just before we hit the record button. Uh, we just had a, a record-breaking month in July. We did our best month turnover since Primpit was established in one of the most difficult months. <laughs> yeah. Um, you got school holidays and mm-hmm. people going away and all of that jazz. And, um, yeah, really pleased that we managed to sort of like hit a record-breaking month no. congratulations yeah so that's good extending the range um extended the range quite greatly um, mm-hmm. recently now looking to sort of maybe take that back a little bit because some of the stuff that we've brought in hasn't been getting any interest at all so um we might be might be sort of like losing a few products maybe to come back later in the future but mm-hmm. always looking at like you know what we've got on the site what we're offering and you know like how, how best to sort of like you know get that in front of the, the right people who might might be able to sort of benefit from our products and services so yeah and lots planned print pit is a side of the business that offers massive scope for growth the design side of the business is it's always challenging when you are scaling a business that is solely service-based Mm-hmm. So design is is very much a man hours type of business. Yeah, you've got a glass ceiling on how many hours you can offer there, doesn't it? A lot of the time as well, like people come to Design Pit because they really want to work closely with with myself, mm-hmm. uh, which has provided challenges in the past. I, I did grow the design side of them before we had the print side in in place, but we, I, I grew the business before, and we had at one point there were four or five of us in the business. Um, so a couple of designers, myself, office manager, and then we had the apprentice as well, which is a reasonably sized aid. Like they, that, you're getting into the realms of agency, small agencies, mm-hmm. um, and it was such a challenge. And 
because you, you're just constantly trying to feed the machine. And as a creative designer, which is what I enjoy doing, you know, it, it sucked all the joy out of it for me. And yeah. Rex put pay to it ultimately, and, and like things needed to change with, when they did. But th- there is, as you say, glass ceiling with design brand and mm-hmm. it's so difficult when you're not selling a tangible product so prints i see as the ideal sort of mix of creativity and product that yeah. gives that scope for growth so yeah small team potentially in the next few years mm-hmm. uh, working closely together maybe from remote locations because i don't see geography geography is not, no longer a barrier i don't think in business definitely not Wonderful, sir. Excellent. Well, I look forward to watching your journey unfold even further in the, in the coming the coming months and years. And listen, I really want to thank you for, for coming on today. It's been a, a real good, honest conversation. Can I, I think there's been a lot in there that hopefully the audience can, can resonate with as well and, and perhaps some, some little golden nuggets to take away. Um, so thank you very much for, for joining us on episode two of the print reviews. And um, yeah, how can, uh, just lastly, can how can... People can find out more about you if they if they want to check you out. Not many people want to check me out, mate. <laughs> um, now I'm quite prominent on LinkedIn. Um, I can be found on there quite easily, and uh, the websites are designpit.co.uk. Some of the design and brand work we do, and the website for the print side of things is printpit.online. Excellent. Well, listen, thank you for, for thank you for having uh, the time to come on today, and um, yeah, I'll uh, catch up with you soon, sir. 